That is such a powerful song about Queen Esther's story. Um, it just it encapsulates like the whole thing. There's so many things that happen in the book of Esther to just narrow it down to a few things to really attack or, or to really break out the voices and, and the things that took place. I summed it up like this. When I read about Esther, when I read the book of Esther, um, she didn't just listen for God's voice. She came to know that he was there. And I was like, man, that's so awesome. Uh, I love that the, the verse in the song they just say, it says, feels like I've been holding my breath. Trying to steal my restless heart. Everything hangs on my next step. Finding my nerve. Playing my part. I found shelter underneath his crown. I found favor inside his eyes. Rock this boat and I just might drown. Honesty seems to come with a price. That puts the whole story of Esther just, oh, it's amazing to me. And there's so many things, like I said, to, to pick it out. But here, here's a young girl who was brought out of her element by a king and she's got a lot of things to fear at this moment in her life. She's hearing a lot of advice, a lot of voices. She's hearing a lot of things. What do you fear? What, what are the voices, as we said at the beginning, what are you hearing? But not just that. What voices do you hear that, that fear, that bring fear to you? I started looking about what fears Americans, and I found out that 30 years ago, researchers at John Hopkins University reported that the five greatest fears of high school and under, from, from like grade school to high school age children. Number five was loud noises. Number four was strangers. Number three was high places. Number two was being in a dark room. And number one was animals. But that wasn't enough. So I looked at research done by Dr. Tom Rayner in 2003. The top 10 things that our youth fear have jumped dramatically. Number 10, I will never have a happy marriage and family. Number nine, someone I know or love will die of AIDS, maybe me. Number eight, I feel like I have to have sex to be accepted. Number seven, I cannot find the time to do everything. Number six, I can't tell right from wrong. Number five, peer pressure scares me. Number four, I or someone I know will be a victim of violence or crime. Number three, I will not be able to make it financially. Number two, I can't get a good education. And the number one fear in 2003 of teenagers down through grade school children was something bad may happen to my family. That's a huge jump from loud noises, strangers, high places, dark rooms, and animals. You see, our teenagers, our kids are growing up in the midst of some of the highest rates of divorce ever. More children are, are living in single-parent family homes than, than ever before. It really shouldn't be a surprise that those are the things that our kids are fearing happening to their families. Now, I share this information with you uh, not to offer depressing information, but to help us to understand the voices and the fears that most of the people, the young people in our country are, are, are facing. And I think if we better understand them as adult Christians, uh, that we can better be better equipped to reach out to them in the name and the love of Jesus that's their only hope. But what are these statistics from 2003? What do they have to do with the story of Esther? Oddly enough, in my opinion, I say that very clearly, in my opinion, I think they factor into the message quite well. You see, our, our main character, Esther, in reality, is just a young woman. We're not sure what her age is, but I think her fears were similar to this list. Um, I'll never have a happy marriage. 
There's a young woman that's being taken from her family to go for a year in the king's palace to be prepared for possible marriage. It's not her choice. She, we don't even know if she likes the king. <laughs> Wasn't up to her. I feel like I have to have sex to be accepted. That's part of being a king's concubine. I can't find time to do everything. I can't tell right from wrong. You see, when we, when we pull our kids from, from what they've been raised in, from Christianity, and we put them into something like the world, you have a good Jewish girl who was brought from her family and put into the palace with concubine and with food and with all these things, much like Daniel back in days of captivity, and, and you have that opportunity to no longer be able to tell right from wrong. Peer pressure scares me. I wonder what that was like for Esther. Peer pressure scares me. Will I be a victim of violence? They weren't treated the best in this situation. Can I get a good education? Yeah, probably not. Something bad may happen to my family. As the story of Esther unfolds, you're going to see these things come out. We, we just aren't sure, but we know what the Bible says. And before we get into the voices that Esther may have heard, it dawned on me that she wasn't the only one hearing voices. So you're going to have to stay with me because I kind of do one of those deals on a Saturday where you're looking for a good channel and you miss it. And the only way to get back to it is to come all the way back around with the remote. All right. I'm in the turn. That, that's where this is headed. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the people that are here, uh, that are here to hear your word. And, and Lord, I pray that as you'll speak through me today, that it'll be clear uh, that your message will impact the hearts of your people in the way that it should, in a way that will honor you, in a way that you see fit. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Go ahead, if you haven't already, look up Esther. And as you do, I'm going to kind of set up the scene a little bit more. The king is having a party, and all of his people are there, his entourage, if you will. There are many. It includes the seven princes of Persia and all their people. It includes royal advisors and all their people. The usual people that would come to this kind of party. And, and it wasn't just a, an, an evening or a weekend. This party had gone on for over 120 days. And we're coming to the end of this party. And, and they're all here. And, and the queen becomes merry with wine. That's a nice way of saying he's had a little too much. He requests that the queen, Vashti, comes before the crowd so that he can show her off. Because she was beautiful. She was requested, requested to wear her crown. Some scholars report that she was requested to only wear her crown. We're going to begin with Queen Vashti's refusal. Verse 10, chapter 1 in Esther. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded his seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Xerxes to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the princes, for she was beautiful. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. Then the king became very angry and his wrath burned within him. And the king said to these wise men who understood the times, for it was the custom of the king, so to speak, before all who knew law and justice and were close to him. The seven princes of Persia and Media who had access to the king's presence and also sat in the first, palace, in the first place in the kingdom. Verse 15, according to law, what is to be done with Queen Vashti? Because she did not obey the command of king, of the king delivered by the eunuchs. In the presence of the king and the princes, Memucan said, Queen Vashti 
has wronged not only the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, causing them to look with contempt on their husband by saying, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought into his presence, but she did not come. This day, the ladies of Persia and Midia, who have heard the queen, of the queen's conduct, will speak in the same way to all the king's princes, and there will be plenty of contempt and anger. If it pleases the king, let a royal edict be issued by him, and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, so that it cannot be repealed, that Vashti may no longer come into the presence of King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is more worthy than she. When the king's edict, which, which he will make, is heard throughout all his kingdom, great as it is, then all women will give honor to their husbands, great and small. Verse 21, this word pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Mimikin proposed. Uh, let me add something right here. And again, this is me adding. If you're the king, you get to do what you want. You make the rules. But here we, we, we find what I like to call the king's biggest problem. Right here. He listens to the voices around him. And they're just trying to elevate themselves and their status. When you read the book of Esther, they're, they're not concerned with the king's well-being. They're not concerned with Vashti. They're concerned about what do we do for us? How do we stay secure where we are? And these princes and these advisors are, are just talking Kind of like junior high boys trying to figure out a problem. They don't know what they're doing. But they know they don't want to lose their cool status. So they're like, King, you need to to send out an edict. Let these people know that she'll be punished. She's not allowed in your presence any longer. Sadly enough, he listens to their voices. He takes their advice. And Queen Vashti is no longer allowed in the presence of the king. The Bible says in chapter 2 that after these things, when the anger of the king... Ahasuerus had subsided, he remembered Vashti. I don't know how long that was. I don't know how long he pouted because she didn't do what he told her to. But he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Here comes some more wisdom from the voices in the king's attendants. Chapter or verse 2. Then the king's attendants who served him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. So it came about when the command and decree of the king were heard. And many young ladies were gathered to the citadel of Susa into the custody of Haggai that Esther was taken to the king's palace into the custody of Haggai who was in charge of the women. Now the young lady pleased him and found favor with him. So he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and food, gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace and transferred her and her maids to the best place in the harem. Verse 10, Esther did not make known her people or her kindred For Mordecai, her uncle, had instructed her that she should not make them known. But every day Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she fared. So basically what happens here is Esther gets put up to the front of the line, so to speak. She's found favor in the lead unit who takes care of them. She's found favor in him, and she's put up to the front of the line. And she also listens to Mordecai. And it's a neat thing about listening to Mordecai. Because Mordecai is listening to God. Do you see this pattern? You see, Esther is in a place where she doesn't really want to be. She doesn't want to be in this palace. She doesn't want to be part of this. She didn't choose to go. 
If this was happening today, people would say to Esther, just follow your heart. Make the best of it. Do what you want. Do what you can. Uh, But I want to let you in on a little secret, ladies and gentlemen. If you're looking to honor God with your life, the last thing you will hear from him is follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. That's bad advice to follow your heart. If Esther would have followed her heart, who knows what would have happened? She may have gotten herself kicked out from the start. I don't, I don't want this king. I don't want this lifestyle. I want to be back with my family. Who knows? She may have had a crush on some little Jewish guy. They were just waiting to get married. He was saving up sheep and goats to, to give to the family. She could have just walked in and, and, who knows, just embarrassed herself in front of the king. Ah, be gone with you. Worse yet, she could have, in following her heart and trying to get out, she could have done something that just, you know, upset the king so bad, he would just take her life. If she would have followed her heart, who knows what would have happened. But instead, she listened to what the trusted people in her life had to say when they spoke wisdom to her. Her uncle Mordecai, as we read about him, we know he was a solid Jewish man. He knew the laws. He wanted to please God. He sought to please God. Her uncle said, don't tell him who you are yet. Don't tell him your nationality. Tell him your name is Esther, not Hadassah. And she listened to him. And if you listen to those who have wise counsel in your life, when you come up on something that seems bigger than you, you'll be much better off than listening to your heart and trying to work through tough situations in your life by yourself. I believe, and we, we learn this later on, and I'll get to that, but Esther has given these, these seven maidens to take care of her. She's a voice to them. L- later on, she fasts with them. She says to her uncle later in the story, hey, you fast, myself and all my servants, we're going to fast. She didn't just take what was given to her and, and be like, pamper me, I deserve it. No, nah, she, she was a reflection of God to these people. As you read through the book of Esther, I really want to challenge you this week. Read through the whole book because I can't put it in just one hour and a half sermon. I tried um, and I can't, but just stay with me. Don't, you know, if you're not sure about something in your life, if you're not sure with something or, or some thought or how you should act or what you should do, start by asking God. Because I think that's what Esther did. God, what would you have me do? Don't start by telling God what you're going to do and then ask for his blessing. Because again, I think this story would have a totally different outcome if Esther would have gone into that palace and said, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to whatever. I think that whole time she was like, why am I here? What would you have me do? As you read through the book of Esther, a lot of things happen. So we're going to finish up with chapter two. Esther becomes queen and Mordecai, her uncle, saves the life of the king. And now in chapter 3, we're introduced to another person. This person is also listening to voices, but he only hears the voices of prejudice and revenge and murder and bribes. His name is Haman. And through the things that I just mentioned, he convinces the king that the Jews should be annihilated. Again, how dumb do you have to be to be the king? He's listening to everybody. This Haman is bad news. He's not only after Mordecai, But he wants death and destruction for all the Jews. And when when Mordecai hears about this, he tears his clothes, he dresses in sackcloth and covers himself with ash. Esther chapter 4, verse 4. Then Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her. And the queen writhed in great anguish 
And she sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept them. Verse 5, Then Esther summoned Hathach from the king's eunuchs, whom the king had appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. So Hathach went out to Mordecai to the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasures for the destruction of the Jews. Haman actually was trying to bribe the king. He also gave them a copy of the text of the edict which had been issued in Susa for their destruction that he might show Esther and inform her and to order her to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. Hathach came back and and related Mordecai's words to Esther. And then Esther spoke to Hathach and ordered him to reply to Mordecai, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court who is not summoned, he has but one law, that he be put to death, unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. They related Esther's words to Mordecai. Verse 13, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Talk about voices. She hears all this stuff. You just find out your people are going to be destroyed by Haman. That your uncle says, just go talk to the king like it's just picking up a phone call or texting him. The last queen was dismissed. The new law states to the person, death to the person who goes before the king without invitation. You can only imagine how that conversation would have gone in Esther's head. crazy. What am I thinking? Who am I to go before the king? I'm not smart enough for this. But what works? I am. What lasts? I am. You are not worthy. I am. You're just one of many. I am. I am. Your plan is bigger than your ability. I am. It's all on you. 
If I perish, I perish. I will go before the king. Talk about voices. The young girl. Insurmountable odds. All those things. You're not good enough. You're just one. Who do you think you are? Verse 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Listen, I want to jump back to her and her maidens. If you're just fasting and you're not believing in what you're fasting for, you're wasting time. It's not going to work. This wasn't her saying to her maidens, I, I order you to fast with me. There was purpose here. There was belief. She was a voice to them. Verse 17 says, Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. So many things to say right now, but I got I to gotta do it this way. The good news is that the king did, in fact, accept Esther. He even told her that he would listen to her request. He even went as far as to say, up to half my kingdom will be yours. Just ask. Uh, so being a woman, she knew the way to a man's heart was his stomach. And she invited him to a private feast, to a banquet. And she also invited Haman. And now here's the twist. As if there weren't enough plot twists and curves and stuff in this story. Haman is thinking he's so special. Because he was, he was a prideful person. Like I said before, he was hearing voices, but his voices were, were prejudiced and, and, and murder and deceit and things like that. But here he is trying to get his way up to the top of the king's ladder. And he's thinking... I just got invited to a private banquet with the king and Esther. Nobody else in this court was invited. Well, look at me. But the reality is, after two banquets, Esther shares Haman's plot to kill her people and to kill her. Chapter 7, starting with verse 3, the queen Esther replied, as the king had asked her, what's the purpose of all this? If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king... Let my life be given as my petition and my people as my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed and to be annihilated. Now, if we had only been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have remained silent. For the trouble would not be commensurate with the annoyance of to, to the king. And the king asked Esther, who is he and where is he? Who would presume to do this? Esther said, a foe and an enemy. I, I love the way that she words this. A foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman became terrified before the king and queen. Rightfully so. <laughs> the story ends with Haman being hung on the same pole that he made for Mordecai. And Mordecai replacing Haman as the king's right-hand man. And the Jews being able to fight back. And protect themselves. All because of a young woman. Because she listened well. And she realized that she was born for something more. 
There's a time to hold your tongue. Time to keep your head down. There's a time, but it's not now. Sometimes you got to go uninvited. Sometimes you got to speak when you don't have the floor. Sometimes you got to move when everybody else says you should stay. No way, no, not today. You got to ask if you want an answer. Sometimes you got to stand apart from the crowd. Long before your heart could run the risk, you were born for this. One step, one move. Born to trust. Made to lay my life before you. That song is by Mandisa, by the way. Um, and it's called Born for This. It's a great song. Now, ladies, I promised you a few weeks ago that I had a word for you. As it turns out, it's several words for you. So I'm going to ask you ladies to please stand. As you stand, nudge your person next to you. Make sure they're awake. Uh, No matter how old or young you are. um, uh, Ladies, I don't know what voices that you've heard in your life or in your last week of life or from the beginning of your life. I don't know what voices you've heard. I don't know... What, what men have said to you. I don't know what other women have said to you. I don't know what your boss has said to you. I don't know how you've been treated. But I saw on the news this week where a 12-year-old girl committed suicide because of what was being said to her. The voices that she, that, that she heard said things to her like, you should just die. Nobody likes you. We hate you. You're ugly. And these were things that other girls we're saying to her. I, I realize that she's not the only girl to be told ugly things about who you are. And so today, I want to tell you who you are. I want you to listen well, because it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. If you were hearing this, if you were hearing these words today, they are for you, ladies. And it goes like this You are beautiful. You are smart, you are funny, you are kind, you are unique, you are worthy of love and affection. You are never too much and you are always enough. You are precious, you are a diamond, a rose, a pearl, the most stunning of all God's creation. You are worth more than you could ever imagine. You are worth more than the numbers on your scale or the hair product you use, or the shoes you wear. You are worth more than how many girls wish they were you and how many guys wish they had you. More than the price tags on your clothes, or the percentage at the top of your math test, or even the number of followers you have on Pinterest or Twitter. Your worth surpasses all earthly things. Because in the eyes of the Lord God, you are loved and you are worth dying for. Regardless of who you think you are, whether you model in a magazine or you model pottery with your grandma, whether you're on the hot list or the not list, whether you are the head cheerleader or you were a high school dropout, whether you are Miss Popular or you never had anyone that you could call a friend, 
whether you love yourself and love your life or you can't stand to look in the mirror and you feel as if everything in your life is falling apart. Whether you're such a winner or you feel like you've been the world's biggest failure, regardless of who you think you are or what you've been told you are, the reality is that you deserve someone who will give up their life for you. Because you are powerful and you are strong and you are capable. Read about the women in the Bible. Esther, Ruth, Martha, Mary. These women changed the world forever. And inside each of you, each and every one of you, is a woman that has that same power. That same strength and that same world changing capability. Your responsibility is to find that woman and set that woman free. Ladies, this is who you are. And any voices in your mind that try to tell you differently are from the enemy. So the next time you hear those voices, this is what you say. Nuh-uh. Not me, Satan. I am a daughter of the living God, a child of the one true king, cherished, loved, and adored above all things by the creator of all things for the glory of him who is greater than all things. I am a princess because I am a daughter of the king. One other thing, ladies and gentlemen, God was awesome before we ever heard or spoke his name. And please don't you ever forget it. Guys, go ahead and stand up. Louis Giglio said once, and this is for everybody, you We're in the mind of God in eternity past. Yet as God thought about you and me, his mission was to was not to point us to ourselves. But rather to open our eyes to fully enjoy him. From the very start. God was intent on making sure we knew how truly magnificent he is. And what's really wild is that while he doesn't need any of us. He is choosing to include us. He's inviting us into the story that never ends. Just like Esther. I don't know where you are, but maybe you're there for such a time as this. Maybe it is time for you to speak. It's time for you to step out. It's time for you to go uninvited and share with somebody what they need to hear. If you want to be a part of that story, the time for you to respond is now. The day for you to approach the king is today. Don't wait. We have been given such amazing abilities by our creator. I don't know where you are. I don't know what holds you back from stepping out like Esther and saying, you know what? I'm going to go to my friends. I'm going to go to my job. I'm going to go to my school. If I perish, I perish. Chances are here in America, you're not going to perish. You you might embarrass yourself a little bit. Some might make fun of you, but you're not going to perish for speaking the love of Jesus to somebody. They may not want to hear it at that moment. They may may just push you back. It's okay, you'll have another opportunity to come around and tell them again. Do it in love. If if you need to step out, do that. If it's with baptism, man, my swimming trunks are in the office and I always say the best Sunday is when I get to put on my swimming trunks. If that's what you need to do so that you can step out, come forward. If you need prayer, if you need encouragement, I don't know what you need, but our elders are here. 
they'll gladly pray with you. Uh, we got a little room set up. They'll go and, and just quietly pray with you and pray over you and pray for you. Uh, maybe for you, the stepping out is, is to partner with us and say, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen in this community, but I want to know that I was a part of changing it to honor God and for his glory. If, if that's where you're at, again, don't, don't wait. As we sing this song, however God has put a response on your heart for his word, I just pray that you'll respond. Ooh, is that you or me? That's me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great to worship with you all today. These guys have an announcement, apparently. Uh, <laughs> It was Andy. No. It was. <laughs> um, as, as Andy comes up, Mitzi's coming up. Um, Lindsay should be on her way up. I just want to come on, come on. Um, I want to share these words with you. It has been great to worship with you today. Um, but after hearing these words, you have to make a choice. And so I, I don't know about you, but, but the thought I have is this. Am I going to live as if life is really about me? Or will I accept the fact and live out the truth that life and history is all about the real I am who was and is and is to come. So when you go out this week, I pray that, that you will live your life according to that. That no matter what mistakes are in you or what fears are in you or what voices you're hearing, you will live to be a reflection of I am.